This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Gibbs, do you like professional wrestling? We like professional wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins, joined as always by Chris Novembrino. Chris, I think we need to talk about MJF today. What do you think? <laughs> I think we're going to have to talk about MJF today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Freezing cold takes coming. Or do we want to start with that? Because the banter... I mean, there's no need to banter. There's just way too much to talk about this week. So. No, yeah, there's there's nothing really to banter about. Let's just get right into MJF here. Okay. Um, what is your okay? Let, let's just start then. Um, when last we joined, shake them ropes. We are heading into a very exciting double or nothing weekend. And Saturday, MJF no shows. The meet and greet. There are stories going around that he is that a plane has been booked. Don't know by whom. Um, I will say that there are screenshots of said, said plane reservation. Uh, and, and that MJF has a flight booked home should he choose to do it. He did not. He came out, took 10 power bombs at the beginning, showed up a, half, a little bit less than a half hour before uh, the show, did the 10 power bombs, got stretchered out, incorrectly but got stretchered out left the show showed up on uh showed up on dynamite not uh not selling any uh or he was advertised for dynamite but not selling any injuries comes out cuts a promo and uh and yeah and it's uh it's been the talk of the wrestling world so chris where do you stand on this whole thing i guess it- if we are pro or con, if we're just using those. No, as like, you know, no, no, we don't need to be pro or con. We don't even need to go that strong, but your feelings on both, uh, we can both playing gate and the, and the promo. If you want, you do not have to support. You can be, uh, you can go do be both sides. You can do um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I can give a nuanced opinion here, yes. but I, I gotta tell you, I have kind of an increasingly contemptuous assessment of mjf's actions over the weekend here and in particular because i feel like it did a tremendous disservice to wardlow okay when you look at how wardlow has been a casualty of mjf gate it makes his actions pretty indefensible what mjf did here was completely nerf Wardlow's push yes Wardlow's over but like MJF especially after he comes out and cuts that promo selling no injuries off the stretcher job and makes himself the number one promo in the company the number one focus of the company whether babyface or heel and positions himself against the very owner of the company it in a two-night span made MJF the focus of the Wardlow push and not Wardlow himself. And I view that as just tremendous 
malpractice to both Wardlow and to, I don't know, wrestling ethics, or I, I'm not quite sure what the term I'd, I'd use here. Is. Ethics and carny culture. Uh, carny ethics, <laughs> Hawkins. Carny, carny ethics. ethics. Uh, it, but yes, like I, I think that it's hard to justify the actions. Maybe you enjoy the promo. I say, Promos are a mixed bag for me. Yeah, obviously his delivery is fantastic. But like, do we really need Tony Khan to be the Vince McMahon of AEW? Is that like really a formula that we think is going to be very good here? Uh, is MJF even a good enough wrestler to carry these 30-minute sort of title matches and that sort of thing? Yes, he's a top-level promo. No denying that. Uh, but what he's talking about, you guys all denied me being a good wrestler and stuff. That was the part of the promo of me particularly cold because I am not convinced at this date that he is a top level 30 minute four star match kind of guy. He He's a guy who can tell a good story. He's a guy who's a good promo along the way in those stories. But when it comes time for the match... MJF's never been anything special for me in between those four or those three ropes. Hmm. I'm mostly with you. Uh, the whole plane story, work or shoot, I think it was a leverage move by MJF. And I think AEW was always going to pay if he did pull this. Um, you know, Jeff Jarrett has done this in the past. You know, hey, I'm about to put over your big star. Pay me or I don't go out there. Um, independent co independent contractor culture says to get paid when you can get paid. I but look, I am also I am also sympathetic to AEW side that hey, you signed this contract for this much money. We will renegotiate when it's time. I am I am not averse to either side here. This is not I, a I just think it's hard for MJF to defend doing damage to the Wardlow push. I agree. I agree all there too. This. And, and, and I, I think that if you're a supporter of Wardlow, this should leave a bad taste in your mouth towards MJF. And I'm not saying is in the babyface heel dynamic. I'm saying in the MJF as a wrestling professional sort of context. Here's the other part I get a little bit about just the double or nothing and before part of it, which I break this into two different things. What percentage, I mean, look, we know AEW's audience is a little bit more dialed into the wrestling bubble than WWE fans. That's just a given fact. But what percentage of people really, really, really were dialed into this whole thing? That, that's my question, because MJF came out there and played up the playing thing as if everybody knew. And I'm not so certain that's true. A lot of people were traveling to Vegas when this was happening. A lot of people were in Vegas when this was happening, probably didn't hear. I people, bet you a lot of these executives who were there at the show didn't hear, but they definitely heard the F-bomb. Oh, that was, no, that's, uh, that's Wednesday. I'm talking uh, Sunday. Oh, okay. I'm talking, I'm talking the Sunday pay-per-view right now exclusively. Um. You know, I, I, I am not a, I'm not a guy who likes the work the net type of things. I've been dealing with that since 93 and it's never really worked to be honest with you. Working the internet doesn't work. It just doesn't. And it's dumb in my opinion. Now onto the promo. Um, again, you are absolutely correct. 
coming out and no selling the injuries. And this was a problem also throughout the show, including the people who did the, uh, the anarchy in the arena match. Just the WWE style of, hey, our guys are superhuman. There are no injuries. But no and, selling a stretcher job. Yes. I, I just, it, it leaves a deep, bitter taste in my mouth. And, and I, so much of my ire towards what MJF has done here has to do with, it, it really screws over Wardlow. Yes. It, it, Wardlow is the absolute second banana B story coming out of this weekend. And not just that, he, he, he doesn't get a big feud necessarily coming up. It, his, his reintroduction after the big win was Mark Sterling and more security guards. Meanwhile, MJF's reintroduction after the big loss is a feud with the guy who literally owns the company. Yes, you are correct on this. I'm going to be a little bit hypocritical, I will admit, here. Uh, this promo was a laundry list of everything I hate in wrestling promos in the modern-day age of wrestling because it absolutely... You can break the fourth wall while still being in the kayfabe world of wrestling. You can, because it's been done numerous times, which makes me a bit of a hypocrite. Also, I loved the pipe bomb promo when it came out. It made me excited for wrestling. Although... It did not bring viewers as many people did. Viewership went down after Punk became the main focus of WWE. That's something that's not talked about a lot. Because a lot of people, a lot of the WWE guys thought of him as kind of an indie geek, to be honest with you. Not a WWE superstar jacked like John Cena and all their favorites and things like that. I'm glad you're bringing this up, though, because it really did shatter the flow of the show afterwards as well. It had this like very Vince Russo-esque energy yes. where everything else is fake except for what I'm saying right yes. here. Yes, and this is, I mean, it starts that way. I'm talking to you as Maxwell Friedman. He might as well just done the finger guns and gone pew, pew after that. I'm shooting, brother. Okay, great. You heal the company. You heal the owner. You talk about your contract as opposed to say, I don't know, wins and losses meaning money and title holders meaning money. But you can do that in the realm of kayfabe. Horsemen did it all the time. You can talk about work rate in your promo in a kayfabe way. You used to do it all the time when, the, when people would bury the road warriors. They're just big muscle heads in the gym. And 30 minutes later, their tongues are going to be hanging out because we're better wrestlers. You can talk about being a draw and being in the kayfabe world. Did all the time. Horsemen on the marquee, people are going to be coming in and seeing us. You can do all this in the world of what is fake fighting, winning titles, and getting more money for it. And they didn't. They did the opposite. They did the Vince Russo style. They did the breaking kayfabe thing. Well, everybody knows this, blah, 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 Jeff. Okay, great. But it, it makes the product harder to watch overall it's it's the office politics crap it's the well, you know why, why does he just say how about my push tony you know it, it it it's the muppet show aspect of it that, that we talk about with wwe all the time it's all the backstage machinations of the show while the show is going on and i don't think that's interesting People might view that as interesting in modern day parlance, but I don't think it's okay. Let me rephrase it. I don't think it's good for the show. Yeah. I, I, the word I would use is 
constructive or the, maybe the descriptor I'd use is constructive. And I would say that it's very clearly not constructive for the show. It was constructive perhaps for MJF and in increasing his status in the company, but it was not constructive in the sense that um, it, it was not constructive in the rest of the show was uninteresting. It felt, it felt fakey wakey after MJF came out there and said, essentially, I'm the only thing that's real on this show. And gets, even, a, and gets a big, huge baby face. And, and even CM Punk feels fakey wakey coming off of this. And he just won the title on Sunday. We're not talking about Punk. We're not talking about Wardlow. We're not talking about anything else but MJF. I just think that like what he has done here is profoundly selfish. I get trying to get paid. I get all of that. But it's one thing to try to get paid, but it's another thing to like destroy business uh, for yourself and others, or for others and yourself, maybe, um, along the way here. My other fear is a creative one within AEW, is that this is going to turn to a schism like the, uh, the OGs versus the people that have been brought in. You know, Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood type of thing. Every other third-rate promotion, no offense to third-rate promotions, I like them a lot, has done a, look, this guy used to work in WWE Invasion Storyline. They always suck. They always suck because they always undermine your product. And these guys are always bigger, and those guys have to win. And the problem with these types of angles is that you have to show that the villains are somewhat um, uh, competent and able to do a better show than you on this thing with your homegrown talent. It's, it, it's just everything about this just undermines everything. And to do this in front of the television executives was an interesting choice especially with the known F-bomb coming, which they knew because they had their finger on the seven-second delay and cut his mic on afterwards. Work shoots, manipulating the audience. I don't mind doing that in the, in the realm of a story. I mind it in the realm of what is story and what is not. That's my issue with it. I mean, and, and it, if you're going to say this is in service of a story, I, I would then... You know, pivot back to this is bad storytelling when your focus coming out of this pay-per-view needs to be New World Champion and Wardlow, among others, Adam Page, among others, and you've made the focus singularly around the nebulous morality of MJF. Yes. I don't... I... I, it, It didn't necessarily make me find him more compelling i've always thought he's a good promo but i i had the same issues with you in terms of the content like was this a good promo or was this only able to get to where it was able to get to content wise by using rousseauian sort of tactics which are bad and this is my this has been my issue with mjf his entire run. I think he has what it takes. And I always use Tully Blanchard as a barometer to be that kind of heel, to be the heel that no matter how cool other heels are, he's going to be hated. 
by that audience. And they're going to pay to see him beat up. But he always ends up undermining that by doing some sort of skit, sketch comedy. It just, it, 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 it's almost like you're fearing the heat. And worst of all, now we have Tony Khan as a character. Yes, NPC Tony Khan becoming a character. No, I, 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 I hate that. I hate that. So, like, the idea that we've moved the camera focus from Wardlow to NPC Tony Khan coming out there and giving us the... Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Man, man's got a voice of an angel. Did, did you see the, any part of the scrum afterwards? No. Oh, where he's see. talking about... Uh, Oh, yeah, Eric Bischoff said something. He just starts dropping F-bombs about how CM Punk, uh, how he's wrong about how CM Punk uh, was never a draw, blah, 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 blah. It, yeah. Uh, he's not a compelling on-screen char- character to me. I mean, he makes, yeah, he, he makes Jim Crockett look welcome in terms of things. But I think we'll talk more about that as we go on in the show, because we have news to talk about. As we went to air, TMZ reporting Sammy Guevara has proposed to Tainara Conti at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> oh, Sammy, 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 the quote JR. Will you ever learn? Uh, a bit rushed into this uh, engagement, in my opinion, but hey, it's not my life. It's not my choices. What have you? We're spreading it around which is a good thing. It's always good to have PR about celebrity marriages. Hawkins, when, when you land yourself a Abraham Lincoln, you gotta tie. I do. You you gotta, you know, go for it. You gotta shoot your shot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, AEW signings at, at the aforementioned double or nothing pay-per-view Athena, the former Ember moon uh, debuted as did Stokely Hathaway. Because Tony Khan loves headaches, Roosh from ROH. So, so far, we've gone through Leo Rush, Roosh, uh, Ivalese. Tessa I know. And, and, Tessa and people say Cesaro like would be a problem. Conan. <laughs> Tessa Blanchard's going to look like a vacation by the time he gets around to her. And Cesaro <laughs> not getting the tap. Here, Cesaro but, but, not getting the tap, but yes. Uh, I think Roosh and uh, if we can get um, El Sombra Andrade back, might be the beginning of something cool with this Forbidden Door and Los Ingobernables. I think Athena, as long as she doesn't promo too much, welcome presence, but of course they reintroduced her with a promo. And uh, wasn't the strongest promo in the world on on Dynamite this week. And of course, always welcome, always in whatever environment he is in, Stokely Hathaway, a.k.a. Malcolm Bivens, who had just an outstanding video on social media as to how he got back there. Chris, any thoughts on these three? Okay, so I, I'll I'll go with Stokely. Like I love Stokely. Uh, I think you know that that, that we, we talked about the Malcolm Bivens post WWE stand up special thing, and that was fantastic. He's just a welcome presence on television. I'm sure he'll be utilized to his full capacity here on AEW TV. But when Thunder Rosa is complaining that she's not really getting, you know, featured and getting pushed, I can't help but notice that like Jade Cargill continues to get loaded up with more and more accoutrements. Um, and I don't necessarily think that her him being paired with Cargill is the best usage of him. 
I think Ouch. like I think Cargill's got enough stuff going on. You just gave her the baddie section. Like, how many more extra bells and whistles does this uh does this talent need? I understand Thunder Rosa's complaints if they are real for uh, for context. What culture reporting that uh, she was uh, confused and she's been somewhat dissatisfied since becoming champion that she is uh, not getting more TV time and not uh, getting put over a little bit more. So it's for network executives. And if I and Jade and Britt are obviously the people that they love in that division. Um, I understand Trust me, I and I'm actually supportive because I do think the champ should be the most marketable person in your division. But I don't think Thunder Rosa is right now. I don't know that she is right now, but I I also think that I, I, you should I mean, put over the champion strong. Well, right? no, it's that the Jade Cargill has enough going on and that agree. she's been getting overpushed as it was. Giving her the baddie section, fine. Giving her Stokely, I mean, I think the the thing that she does best, I don't know that I'd necessarily use good, but she does it best is the promo stuff. Right. And Stokely takes away the thunder from that. Okay. Oh, that's fair enough. I think it's going to be a, some combination of him and Sterling. I and well, then she also already had Sterling too. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I mean that that's the other thing. I love Stokely. I just think that there's a better slot for him than Cargill. I would do FTR, but they're baby faces right now. Uh, Samoa Joe will be playing the dual role of Sweet Tooth, voiced by Will Arnett and Peacock's Twisted Metal. Character is a quote hilarious and terrifying hunk of a man who is as emotional as he is cunning, according to Deadline.com. Are you the fan of Twisted Metal? I, I did enjoy a good Twisted Metal game back yeah. in the day, particularly Twisted Metal 2. Fun I game. I recall that. Okay, so how is this casting? Because I have no idea who, who uh, Sweet Tooth is. I don't know it off the top of my head. Okay. I haven't played that much Twisted <laughs> <Fair> Metal. Fair enough. <laughs> but like, I think, you know, Joe is a, an equal uh, a combination of emotional and cunning or whatever it was <laughs> that you said. Yes, but I think when I think Samoa Joe. Uh, Ric Flair is back working with WWE on a documentary project. I believe that's WWE and not Fox. I'm not sure. Let's see. WWE Flair and Tom Rinaldi of Fox Sports will be producing a two-hour documentary on Flair was not said if this is for A&E or Peacock, as WWE is doing documentaries for both. Of course, they control all the spin and they're not factual documentaries. Jeff in parentheses. Peacock will be doing a number of two-hour biographies, including one on Dusty Rhodes. Now, I, am a, I was a fan of the 30 for 30 that they did on Flair on ESPN. Ric Flair was not because it painted him in some negative lights. I don't see the point of doing this other than this is going to be a Ric Flair. Oh, here's some party stories from the road. And I'm still that guy. And I can still drink with the boys. And I'm, you know, look at me. I'm on my rowing machine and in my seventies, this is a Ric Flair reclamation project after the dark side of the ring plane ride from hell. And what's so funny to me is right there in the opening of the preferred Ric Flair narrative, you sort of see the whole complexity of Ric Flair, right? Like he's for years been selling us this. I like to party all the time image. I'm the guy who goes out and drinks with the boys. I get down and all that sort of thing. And like, 
The only thing that interests me now in terms of a Ric Flair historical document is a good balanced picture on Ric Flair the dude, which is a guy with serious flaws who is also quite excellent in the ring, like not just excellent, like a generational talent in the ring. And he had this really long career across multiple generations where he was good in all of them, but he also had these flaws along the way. And I don't think he likes the picture of himself in the mirror, but it's the real picture. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, the introduction to Oscar Wilde's portrait of Dorian Gray, where like he talks about, uh Callaghan seeing his face in the glass this is uh the Shakespearean character is all like twisted and actually sees his visage for the first time in the glass and really hates it like Rick this is who you are dude this is who you've been and also who you've been telling us who you've been but trying to put like a nice little clear coat over it but this is who you are dude yeah it's it's one of those things where it's like he wants to He wants his image to be that of the nature boy the entire way. He should be a, he should be a, he should be a, a, a statesman in classy suits, but he's the clown in his seventies dressing up in, in the costume at fan fests. <laughs> you know, he, he should be the guy in the, in the Shatner SNL sketch saying, why don't you people get a life? And instead he's the guy going, no, I was Captain Kirk this entire time. Look at me. You know, that kind of thing. No, I, he's, I, he's Tim Allen's character in Galaxy yes, Quest where exactly. he, he ab- absolutely loved. Stuff. Yeah, loved. No, well, like, yeah, but it's like a reverse. Of it's a reverse. Shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, loved, yeah, he yeah. loved the entire thing. Loved it. Yeah. yeah, it was his whole life. Yes. Yeah, no, that that that's perfect. That's that is a dead on. And I appreciate both the. uh both the Oscar Wilde and the Shakespeare on this show. We are a show of literary people. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't want to go. Got to use that college somewhere, Hawkins. Right, very true. Uh, what, w. Morrissey no longer with Impact Wrestling appears to be a free agent. Chris, does he end up in AEW or does he go back to be being big cast in WWE? In your opinion, because I could see both. I could see both too. Uh, I could also see him coming back to WWE and just being a different guy. Like, you know, they just want to try repackaging him as something else. Okay. Let me pause you there. Because, because this past week on SmackDown, we had uh, secondary giant number two, Shanky, uh, become dancing Shanky. Because we can't have more than one mean giant because we have almost right now. Does he supplant almost or does he become Mr. Personality W. Morrissey? Or I mean, uh, big cast. I'll give you another one. Uh, what's uh mafia dude down in XT's name? Oh, uh, uh, Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Vinnie Boombots. Uh, he, he joins Vinnie Boombots' faction. <laughs> Well, I think we're already going to be doing that with uh, the former Fabian Eichner, who is now what Giovanni Vinci or whatever his name is. They were introducing it. If he doesn't come out talking like Chico Marx, I mean, what are we doing here? Hey, I, what's the matter with you? <laughs> hey, what's the matter? What's the hey. matter? You could go up against chase you or, or why? <laughs> or like Waluigi or whatever his name is. Wow. Hey, it's me, Mario. 
Oh, that'd be great. They all have like the crooked, like wah mustaches, like Waluigi and Wario. Yeah. Why not? Uh, no, I, I, I think he'd be he'd be main roster. There's no way he's signed to go to NXT, but uh, I think AEW would be an interesting choice. Problem is, right now he, you got Wardlow over there, and you're <laughs> you've already kind of who's Wardlow? Oh, it, it's it's that it's that guy. Um, oh. D- d- <laughs> any any good uh well you had a pretty good match i thought on sunday and then you know wednesday happened yeah a lot, a lot of people Super- are talking about him <laughs> wwe superstar Liv morgan will make her film debut in yale entertainment's darkly comic thriller the kill room joining an ensemble that includes uma thurman samuel jackson and joe mangin <laughs> i can't say this name mangione Mello. Mangianello? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the uh, what's her face from from Modern Family's boyfriend? Uh, uh, I don't know the celebs, Hawkins. Okay, neither do I. I can't remember her name. The Hispanic woman—that's all I can think of. Uh, but yes, uh, hey, Uma Thurman, Samuel Jackson. That's but but you know what? I'm just expecting her to be like one line or some girl getting killed off. This this press release is interesting. It, it, it had to come from the company. You know, that, that's what's interesting to me is now they're plugging these things between the Joe and the Liv Morgan. They, they didn't they didn't do Jack for Sasha Banks. <laughs> I know it makes me that's what I was about to say. It makes me think of Sasha Banks. But, but uh, of course, there's a company good for things. Liv. Yeah, good for Liv. Uh, sad news. Melanie Pillman, Brian Pillman's ex-wife, who appeared on the Raw after he passed away. For those who are completious on, on the Raw type of side. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. had a nice uh, regretful statement because Melanie Pillman had her demons and basically uh, Pillman Jr. and her never really rectified their relationship. But she was also very involved with uh, the dark side of the ring for Brian Pillman. If you if you watched that, um, I, I boy, I just think it's, I it's just real sad. Raw. It's just I remember, sad. Well, I remember that raw and thinking it was in such bad taste. It really was Vince McMahon kind of interviewing her as Vince McMahon, uh, making her cry on camera. I mean, this was this was just it was most one of the most tacky things that WWE had ever done. That's that's my that's my memory of it. Um, Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It's low key one of the worst things that they did in the 90s just because it was in service of nothing other than like making wwf seem like this very relevant show that was dealing with real stuff yeah this guy really died and so we're really talking about and his rights really and in some ways of getting over stone cold steve austin (laughs) in some ways uh yeah it is just i i hate i hate it and i hate even thinking about it so let's move on uh, appears uh, and so in WWE land, appears the tag team unification match for Helena Cell is uh, is going to be on tonight's SmackDown. We are recording before that happens, but now it looks like that Roman Reigns and Matt and Riddle for Helena Cell is off, which means this is what the third pay per view in a row where Roman won't be defending his title. So we we're not building up anybody these days, and we don't know when Roman's going to want to work somewhat interesting also of note looks like lacey evans is back to the smackdown roster per internal memos so hey she's gonna appear this week on raw and the appearance was just for the coca-cola 
600 or whatever it was, the NASCAR race. Let's say, gentlemen, start your engines. Not to wrestle. I still don't know if she's a babyface or a heel because they've been giving mixed messages about that. Uh, either of these things intrigue you at all before we go into Lacey Rubin, Chris. Uh, the Lacey Evans thing, no. no. Okay. No. Fair enough. And so now that is the news bag, news feed, news whatever. Now to the Lazy River of Wrestling Criticism. Anything we watch, anything that comes to mind, anything at all in the world of wrestling or even past wrestling uh, can be brought up here. And uh, seeing as we have ice cold takes and also previews, uh, do we want to mix those in or do we just want to run through those real quick here, Chris? Let's go with the ice cold takes. Let's go with the ice cold takes. Okay, ice cold takes on Double or Nothing. Uh, if you want to see my hot takes, I did a show on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel with the Power Bombshells and also Keela Cash. Uh, a fun time was had by me. Not sure of them, but it was a fun time. Uh, yeah. So overall, the second half of this show made it a winner for me. But for quick ice cold takes, here we go. Hookhausen, pre-show match, everything it should have been. Mark Sterling outstanding geek i'll give my things and then you can give yours chris uh wardlow defeating mjf i thought this was perfect i loved it i I loved everything about it and i thought oh man they got wardlow over strong here great then wednesday happened hardy's beating the young bucks i thought this was a mess until the end live it came off much better apparently according to everybody there but man i thought jeff hardy was way off his game not gonna accuse him of anything matt hardy says he had a concussion I'll go with that as well in the beginning. Um, Sounds good. But, uh, you know, not having your boots tied and then not tying it when you're not not in the ring. A little questionable in my opinion, but that's okay. Jade Cargill and Anna Jay was dreadful. Let's just call it like it is. It was dreadful and the post-match was a mess because you introduced six different people in there in terms of just everything and all these matches. And who are you trying to get over here? Okay, fine. House of Black versus... Death Triangle. I I adored this match until the until the Julia Hart reveal, but we all knew that was coming. I think yeah, was- it, you know it, it. It was just so obvious, but like it it made the match kind of hard to enjoy because you knew this was coming, and when it came, it was exactly what you thought it was going to be. Best a lot of these guys have looked in a long time, especially Pac. I would love to break off Pac and Buddy Matthews into a feud here. Uh, Brody King. <laughs> killing himself on that dive god bless him a a number of people just did not quite clear the ropes during this show no they did not uh adam cole samoa joe meh gotta be honest not a lot of heat here not a lot of time here joe was fine when he was playing old grizzled choppy chop the guy down here but once they started getting into the choreography, I found this I found this match a little lacking, to be honest with you. Yeah, it wasn't even up to NXT like standards to me. It just it, it was really the the sum was far less than what the parts are. Far better, but still questionable booking in my opinion. Britt Baker defeated Ruby Soho for the Women's Owen Hart Foundation half of the bracket. Thought this was probably Ruby's best match since coming into the company, to be honest with you. But and she, I think she should have won here. I know she got the pin on Wednesday. Whoopty crap. But King and Queen of Prom win. And I'm going to be honest with you. I thought the uh, I thought the Martha Hart uh, speech was quite good. I liked uh, that. It was a nice love letter. She was having fun. They gave her all the time she wanted. Martha just seemed like she was having so much fun. Yes. And that 
for me made whatever problems I had with Cole and Baker as the winners, like just doing the king and queen of prom thing. It just made it not matter because like yes. her talking about the silly hats and every next year <laughs> she wants every, she wants everyone in a silly hat. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do like Owen would love that. Owen Owen absolutely would love knowing that like part of the tournament is that everyone wears a silly hat on championship day. Like and when they when they were the finals. And for me, part of it was, I mean, look, the bitterness between her and the WWE is what has given her kind of a dour reputation. This was, hey, I love wrestling. I love all you guys. I, you know, and I love that you all did this for my late husband. I, I just, I, it was, it was one of those things where I watched this and I thought, oh man, I, I could see where some people were, oh man, she's milking it or whatever. I go, look, let's give her the time. And I thought she came off great personally. I don't know. Like, I, I guess to me, like the whole point of a wrestling show is emotional payoff. And that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be a wrestling move or anything. It could be like a cool emotional moment like this, where this person after a quarter century finally gets something remotely yeah. approximating an acknowledgement of her husband's great accomplishments in the ring. Like just now it's happening. Her children have grown up watching her father never be acknowledged beyond this. Oh, it's a bad day. You know, we don't like to talk about it's a bad day. Uh, and, and like the, this is just, it, I don't know. For me, it was, it was, it was a very nice moment. I really enjoyed it. Okay, good. I'm glad we agreed on that. Um, no, seriously. Uh, next match, the uh, six-person mixed tag team, American top team, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Paige Van Zant with Dan Lambert, beating Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti with the stipulation that if American top team won, neither Kazarian nor Guevara are allowed to challenge for the TNT championship as long as... What Scott the hell was this match, Hawkins? Okay. This match and the Kyle O'Reilly match were added for time so that the game was it game seven of the Eastern conference finals? No, would, I've, I've heard that, over. but it just makes the TNT title seem like the most confusing and least yes. relevant title in the company by a lot. I agree. That said, I had a lot of fun watching this match. Kazarian being the only baby face in this match made it a bit of a mess for some people, but I loved it. Paige Van Zandt for her first match, I thought did okay. Uh, the Sammy and Ty thing were did what exactly they were supposed to do. I don't know. A lot of people crapped on this match. I enjoyed it personally. Well, Kazarian looks great. Um, I didn't think the work was bad. I just found the the bickering of the team. Who is the baby face and right. who's the heel and why? The, the stipulation with the conflicted interest team is a very strange pairing right like, like it, it just for me the lasting impact of this match is a diminishment of the tnt title further yeah i i would agree i, I agree with that in theory but i think the tnt title is gonna be a hot potato title for some time i want to see some I want, hey miro's back give it to him that's unfortunate i know i i, I think it, it should have a little bit more prestige than this. Kyle O'Reilly beat Darby Allen by pinfall. <laughs> Why? 
did we have this match? I was so confused. It was a, it was a fine match. Uh, like they they blended better than I thought, but I was just confused why this match was. And happening. again, Darby not selling his arm being pilmanized by a chair. I just this is this is my pet peeve for 2022, kids. You gotta do an angle where people get hurt, make them hurt. You know, that's all I want. I just want continuity there. Thunder Rosa beating Serena D by pinfall in what I thought was a pretty good match that eventually won the crowd over, but this crowd was cold for, for, for this match to begin with. And then they won them over and uh, both women, I think represented themselves very, very well here. Yeah. Went, went a little long, too many like kind of near predicaments or whatever, but, but a, a very, very good match. Agreed. In my match of the night, just a fantastic, fantastic spectacle of violence and mayhem and confusion. The Jericho Appreciation Society, Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Cool Hand, Angelo Parker, and Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, beating the Blackpool Combat Club of Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. My God, 2.0 bled and bled and bled and got the shit kicked out of them. Pardon my French. I loved, I loved the Menard Kingston fight through the concession stand and then pawning him off to Daniel Garcia with the belt in the merchandise. That was fantastic. The ridiculousness of the Angelo Parker, Brian Danielson in the seats where Angelo Parker could get nothing going there. The uh, Eddie Kingston coming out with the gas can and Danielson saying, whoa, that's too much. Kind of interesting there, given that uh, the Blackpool Combat Club were cool with slicing your faces. I guess burning men alive is (laughs) something they want to do, although I can see why Danielson covered in gasoline did not want that match lit. Yes, right. It was that, to me, the way I read that at least to try to make it make more sense to me was that like once Kingston was pouring gasoline on Danielson too, Danielson was like, this yes. guy is just effing crazy. I need to do something. Yes. I need to, I need some self-preservation going on. in. I liked the submission here. I liked how everybody bled. I liked how Moxley got screwed over by a thing of barbed wire that he just happened to come in with. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Go. Oh, watch, it's so good. Yeah. Go watch the locker room promo by 2.0 and Daniel Garcia after this match. And this is the edge I have wanted them to put on 2.0 in this type of thing, as opposed to being lightweight comedy guys. Absolutely loved it. They should have played it on TV, to be honest, instead of the in-ring promo. They should have just played this and they'd be mad, 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 mad over. But just a beautiful display of blood and violence, in my opinion, Chris. Yeah, no, I loved it. It was, it was everything that this type of match needs to be. Uh, it over-delivered on expectations. Uh, I think it had the benefit of low expectations coming in and way over-delivered. Loved the finish on this match. I, I, I just thought it was it was well done the whole way down. Um, the Kingston-Danielson-Jericho drama made sense in the context of the match and the match was really well worked. It was the most complete match on this card and in a very, very satisfying start to finish. Also over delivering, in my opinion, the Jurassic Express retaining their tag team titles by beating Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Love this match. 
I thought Starks and Hobbs were fantastic. And Lee and Strickland are smooth as butter as a tag team. And then Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus doing their usual spots, but their usual spots look great in a, in a three-way tag match. Yeah. Um, I over delivered, not necessarily because of jungle boy and Lucha source, but like, no. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Keith Lee and swerve. I I'm with you. Like they just really stood out to me in this match. Yeah. And, and, and look, this Christian cage turning on jungle boy thing. This, this, this makes, uh, <laughs> this makes, this makes the Julia Hart angle look like Hemingway. I mean, <laughs> this is some glacier pace stuff right now. It's it's not quite at the uh, what was that NXT UK storyline that was frozen in amber, but like it, it it's, it's oh the Kenny, the Kenny Williams versus Amir Kenny, Jordan, yeah Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan, yeah. Uh, it, we're not quite there, but I'm starting to measure it on that spectrum, and and, and it's not really it's losing interest for me as it wears on not gaining interest cm punk beat hangman page clean by pinfall hangman adam page hoist on his own petard as he tried to second guess whether or not he should cheat to win that moment of hesitation gave punk the uh stumbling cm punk time to hit the gts for the pinfall i liked it I groaned at the ref bump, admittedly. Kind of served the story, though. I dug eh. it. Eh. Uh, I, I, I liked the match in the early phases. It began to lose steam for me, obviously, when Punk started to botch in key spots. That wasn't great. I can get past that. The Adam Page anxiety crisis of conscience stuff was too cute by half to the point where I was rolling my eyes at the end. A little overwrought when they do the yes. emotional stuff with him. Yes, they especially did, it was when the same he's with like, the uh, Young Bucks thing. Remember gonna, looking at him? Yes, yes. And I don't think it helped Punk at all because it made his win less definitive it was more like page beat himself by not going heel rather than cm punk won the title so i didn't view it as a strong title transfer to cm punk and i think that's part of why it took a minute for him to like really get the audience to where he needed them to be after he won the title uh punk i'm saying um i i think page needed to just full-on commit to being heel he needed to like get the crowd to really boo against him and punk needed to overcome the odds here and win the belt especially frankly especially given the fact that mjf is going to come out the next night and demand that all focus be on him i'm not going to say steal the show i'm going to say break the show uh like you you need to have a really strong champion coming out of that and i think that this title transfer wasn't it lazy river type stuff here before we go into the wwe stuff let's let's just do dynamite before we go in there not only now that i think about did mjf steal the thunder from wardlow he stole the thunder from from tanahashi coming out which was a right because he steals the thunder from punk and like that was also like a weak transfer so like punk versus tanahashi doesn't have the sting it might have also the presentation i thought was lame I'm going to be honest with you. I thought, I thought it came off flat. 
I think Tanahashi need to come in the ring and face down CM Punk as opposed to standing there posing on the top of the ramp. Um, I'll go further. I, I think a high fly flow, especially after you have the kayfabe shattering uh, experience of MJF earlier in the show. I, I think they actually needed to touch prior to this match. I think we can get there. Um, I, I think this is the right choice, though, for Forbidden Door. These are the two that you need to match up. You don't want Punk in a Will Ospreay or Okada type of work rate match. You need the older veteran type of type of guy. And I think Tanahashi is the right choice here. I just thought a stare down would have been far more impactful. You have, have fade off FTR however you want to and just have those two stare at each other as opposed to whatever. I mean, Tanahashi was doing the belt motion and you know doing his little hand signal and stuff like that i i I get it it just felt like and here's tanahashi all right goodbye and you're just like huh it it didn't feel as big as it should have been to me i agree um (laughs) no no i i I completely agree i i think so much of that's just a ripple effect of the russo like promo that you put like after the first seg Anything else on Dynamite that struck your fancy? Blood and Guts has now been announced as official. Man, okay, let me let me review the card here right quick. Okay, uh, ha- they did not yeah. follow up on Roosh. They did not follow up on Thunder Rosa match. Um, this was a very. This is the. These are the people we want to highlight to the network as our star types type of show to me. Um, I freaking love Max Caster. I, I did. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. No, he's just, he's just, he's great. Like he's, he's just, wonderful. I, I actually like this combination of them and, and, and the gun club. I do. <laughs> I, I, I like it in particular. Cause it's like the acclaimed don't really like the gun club. Exactly. And, and that, that's, but, but, I but love Billy the dynamic, gun, but Billy gun loves the acclaimed. Yes. Which makes it even better. He loves them more than his sons because they're not as big as screw ups as his kids. But yet he doesn't realize that the acclaimed hates his kids. Yes. <laughs> it's so it's so good. It, it's so it, no, it, it's it's really, it's really quite funny. Like yes, it is. Um and I gotta be honest, that was the best thing on this show for me. Um I, I agree. Yeah, because after that, Moxley and Daniel Garcia, like it after MJF did his promo. I just couldn't watch this show and really fully lock in on Moxie and Garcia. Okay. Well, then we will move on to the WWE and it's two show weekend that it's having. Gonna start with some random notes because we've been uh, we've been sliding SmackDown a little. I'm gonna give some love here. I <laughs> KO and Sami Zayn are absolutely fantastic. Just the, yeah, Elias is obvious, or Ezekiel's obviously Elias's brother, and Kevin was just dropping everything and hugging him. I howled at that. I absolutely howled at that. I howled at, of all things, Tazawa and Tamina in the whole twenty four seven thing. Poor Apollo Cruz and uh, Dominic Dijakovic, or however, whatever it is, T Bar, are now chasing that geek title. But Tazawa and Tamina make me laugh. Max Dupree? Is this chicken crap being turned into chicken salad? Because he does the WWE promo style so well. I like him. 
I'm going to admit it. Um, I really liked, uh, I, I liked the, uh, the, the, uh, the Ronin Bronin promo by Riddle and Nakamura. I thought that was funny. I thought that was cute. I, I, I dug that. The only thing I didn't like from somebody I like was Becky Lynch. I hate the stuttering. Oh, I'm so, so angry and nervous that I'm stuttering my words type of gimmick that she now does in her promos. Her, her Seth Rollins weird type of wardrobe off. I'm a little done with because she's a gorgeous woman. I do like Asuka just being crazy all the time. All she wants to do is dance and hit people with her butt. She's great. I love her. But I wish they'd give her a little bit more in this feud. And I just wish they'd give Bianca a little bit more in this feud and say that, uh-uh, and that's all she does. Um, What else? There was one other thing that I really popped. Oh, I think Cody Rhodes is doing fine in this. Uh, the Seth promo. <laughs> I thought the pull apart was interesting. Seth wearing a women's women's set of pajamas. Okay, fine. I'm ready for this feud to be over though. And I'm ready. I think, I think Cody's the one guy who's going to really bring it in a cell match here. Yeah. Thoughts from you. I I just need Cody to go over the Seth Rollins. Yeah. Three zero. Like this doesn't need to go on any further. Um, I, I think the, I just don't have any trust in WWE to tell long form stories. I agree. Yeah. It's so, while the Cody stuff has been consistent to this point, I just keep waiting for the bottom to fall out. The Ezekiel thing working is funny to me in so many ways. I, it, here's why it works. It, it, I was thinking about this. Because this, of KO? Yes, but okay. also because there's this subtle thing that Elias slash Ezekiel is doing in his performance. It's like, a satire of the generic early 1990s white meat baby face. Okay, yeah. That it is weirdly nuanced and subtle in a way that I would never associate with Elias and Ezekiel. And he's gotten better at his baby face comebacks and his baby face cheering on the apron thing. He really has. Yes, and like it's I, I don't know. Like there's like this clear, like wink. I don't, it works. There's a gleam in his eye when he's doing this almost as if he's self-aware about it. Right. Yeah, I agree. Let, well, okay. Let's pick winners for hell in the cell. And then we'll, we'll end with uh NXT burned down the house uh, <laughs> and God. its foundation and everything involved with that. Cause we do have some fun stuff in the NXT uh, world. At uh, least. Uh, NXT salt, the earth, salt, the earth. Yes. That's, that's a perfect name for it. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell. I think we both think Cody should go over and will go over. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say should and would. Bianca Belair versus Asuka versus Becky Lynch, triple threat match. This could possibly steal the show, I think, in terms of being a fun match. But I can't see any other ending other than Bianca pins Asuka here. Yeah, I, I Bianca pins Oscar. I, I think this is a fun match that that maybe like you know over delivers by the standards of the card, but no, like I don't see Oscar winning here. Bobby Lashley in a handicap match against almost an MVP, two on one handicap match. You know what that means, Chris? There's no DQ, so that means Cedric Alexander's coming out, right? 
yeah yeah oh yes yeah obviously and the question then becomes are the odds overcommitted? oh and, oh come on it's lashley of course they are i that you know i was setting it up with the weird uh I know, I'd past tense yeah i know it and you didn't it, it's fine it, no it's okay i i feel shame. I, I i no i i'll rise above the scenario i feel shame yeah you should but i rise above the scenario <laughs> ezekiel versus kevin owens I think Ezekiel has to win here. I think he has to win, but I don't think he does. That's the weird thing. I think they're going to blow this. I think they're going to have Kevin Owens win this. I don't know how. Probably Sami Zayn helps. Who knows? Okay, but but, but but so it's like a roll-up finish because he can't be like Ezekiel can't actually get pinned by Owens. I don't think. I think okay. like like I, I think it has you know, to be. It's one like, of those weird things he loses by interference. So, oh, he doesn't really lose his heat. Blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. No, no. I, I, I like. I think if he does lose, it's got to be like a protected loss. Theory versus everybody's favorite WWE malcontent Mustafa Ali. Dare they give him the United States title here, Chris? No, I think Theory sucks this one out. I somehow. agree. I think Champa shows up. And then in a mixed six-person tag, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and newly minted movie star Liv Morgan taking on The Judgment Day, Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. I think Judgment Day's got to win this. Liv's eating this pin again. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I, 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 there's no way that Judgment Day doesn't win that match. And I assume it's probably you know they 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 tease intergender stuff because probably a guy ruins it for Liv Morgan and then Rhea Ripley pins her in some way. That's my opinion. Or or you know what you do the opposite. Rhea Ripley could low blow Finn Balor or AJ Styles. I can see that too. Because neither of those guys need the win, even though they're bigger stars. So yeah. Uh, this is going to be one I skip live. Tell me if it's good in my in my in my Twitter mentions, and then I'll go back and watch what's good. Moving on to Saturday, tomorrow, tomorrow. I love you. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. NXT in your house, Chris. <laughs> taking taking good IP and salting the earth with it. In NXT world, The Rock. Daughter now has a name that doesn't reference anything having to do with The Rock. Much like no generational talent is allowed to reference the brand name of which you should probably using any goodwill. Her name, I believe, is what Ava Divine. I believe is is the name there. But also, you know, Sheesh. Santina Morella's daughter is in there. That's the Ariana. Uh, what's her face name? I forgot the, her name, but it's plain as day. Uh, <laughs> We, we had this we had this tournament i had a question for you and i forgot what it was let me let me look it up real quick in your dms because i sent you a snarky comment i wanted to know the i wanted to know the real answer to this because it was uh it, it was weighing on my mind chris and it shouldn't have been to be honest with you uh oh where is it tuesday 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 uh i can't find the joke never mind it's stupid it's a stupid joke. Um, <laughs> it's about what's her face being an actual porn star in real life. But, oh, uh, oh Kiana, Kiana James. Kiana James, who is off yes. sexy. That's her. Oh, that's her gimmick. Is off that's her sex. gimmick. Uh, no, it has the Brainiac gimmick has no bearing whatsoever in the ring. Yeah, at she's all. not Alexandra York. She uh, she's not 
outsmarting Ivy Nile in the ring at any point during this match. She didn't outsmart her opponent at any point during this match. She just comes in and says 12%, some like random decimal <laughs> number or something. And that's supposed to be enough to get this gimmick over. At she's least glasses the, and boobs in the office. And uh, you're, at oh, least the genius had a chalkboard on the outside <laughs> of the ring and would like draw up like Hulk Falls. Like that, that this is if you're gonna do this gimmick, they have to it's like so demeaning to the women too. That oh look, we're we're calling you smart. No, you're not. This is a porn. <laughs> this you, is a porn premise. That's what this is. God, it's so Hey there, Mr. Johnson. I know you called me here in the meeting, but I have filing to do. Uh, and I'm like a sucker for like the genius style gimmick. Yes. I like those gimmick. I'm a big fan of those. I but like, well. uh, I, I just think that if you're going to do it, you have to actually do it. She has to use her brain to outsmart her opponents. And Ivy Nile was a perfect foil for her to get the annoying victory leading into the pay-per-view yeah, to get under I, Ivy Nile's skin. It, this is an, a great opportunity to get this gimmick over. Yeah, I am. I'm here for the uh, 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 spreadsheets in, in wrestling type of gimmick where you're calculating how to beat your opponent and stuff like that, especially since it's so big in sports. Now, nobody does it correctly. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. Also of note in our, in our, in our snark, um, New NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Chris. It has happened. A dream has been realized. Yes. <laughs> I don't know whose dream it was, but yes. Ashton I got a lot of dreams. I, you know, recently I've switched to sleeping on my side. I'm dreaming much more often now. Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter, a.k.a. Bootleg Kofi and Whoop Guy as we, we so lovingly call them here on the show, are your NXT tag champions after it looks like Mustache Mountain is no more. Uh, whoop. Chris, a one-hour retrospective on their career, please. Go. Yeah, no, no. I, and, and that one-hour retrospective will be out next week. It's known as Whoop. There it is. Uh, I, I, I think you guys are going to love this. I, I, we're going to be taking a look back. And all the classic feuds, all the ups and the downs between Smith and Carter. Um, what makes Ollie and Ashy, as, as I like to call them, tick. Uh, we're going to get into all of it here. Jeff and I will be doing that. It'll be up on the Patreon here, so make sure you sub up this Oh, oh we're going to finally update the Patreon. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah, we are. We're going to be taking a look at back at uh, Whoop Guy and uh, the other one. Bootleg Coffee, yes. Yes. Um, yes. So we have to get to this. Six matches for your watching pleasure. Uh, <laughs> and here we go. What should be a fun match? I do think Cameron Grimes versus Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams. This feud will never die. Singles match for the NXT North American Championship. It's not it that also I don't will like never heat up. Yeah, that's the problem. It never heats up, but it never dies either. Stakes are never raised except for the title. At least give me bounties or cash payments or stock options or something. Chris, is it time to, to stop the Cameron Grimes did it for his daddy and give the belt back to Carmelo? You, you want to say yes, but you almost like think like maybe a double turn or something is coming. I, I, I don't even know how to read like 
Because Grimes is not over at all, and Carmelo kind of is. I agree. That's it's so weird. Like, like, like if I was actually if I was gonna book this, I would book this as a double turn. Where like I don't think they're gonna do this, but it, it just seems to be like that's where the energy is right now. Um, I'm gonna say Grimes retains. Uh, I am gonna say uh, I'm gonna say it's a switch and they give it to Carmelo. I think Trick Williams interferes and then starts the breakup of Trick and Carmelo not being able to trust each other. Okay. Because it's like, hey, I wanted to win on my own. Blah blah blah. Well, okay, whatever. Because that's what they do. Oh, so we're gonna baby. We are starting to baby. I think we're gonna baby Carmelo here. I think you are okay. correct. It does start a double turn in some ways. Tony D'Angelo, Channing, Stacks, Lorenzo, and Troy. Two dimes, Donovan. The red shirts have names. It's so cute. Versus. Versus shake them ropes, darlings. Let's face it. Legato del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Cruz del Toro, and Joaquin Wilde with the lovely Electra Lopez at their side. Who wins the racial gang wars that WWE can never get away from? Guy, you know, and and, and what an exquisite and dramatic uh, presentation it was. Oh, on this that is yacht. this is just like you know 1920s New York with the Italians and the. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I, I was thinking that it's like gangs of new york the movie um <laughs> I, I i i love it um i i actually th- i think that like d'angelo wins and like this is the start of escobar becoming a baby face huh okay i think this is legato del Fantasma swan song i hope i hope they're getting brought up finally uh but i do believe I, I do believe the italians win this I I I am of the opinion. Bada boom. I do do think in those movies. I do think the teased return of one Fabian Eichner in his new role here, he'll probably be called Giovanni the Cleaner. I I was Uh, thinking the whacker. The whacker? Yeah, he he whacks people, you know, like in in the movies. You know, you get someone's bad, so they gotta whack him off. Why they call you oh my god. You do this to me. <laughs> oh my god! I, how do I? I hate you so much right now. All right, uh, for the tag team championships, pretty deadly. Elton Prince and Kit Wilson, or as I call them, blonde and brunette, taking on the Creed brothers of Brutus Creed and Julius Creed, aka Small and Short and Stocky, for the tag team titles. If Julius and Brutus Creed lose. They will leave the diamond mine. And yes, they are going to leave the diamond mine because I believe that one Roderick Strong is on the next set of NXT cuts. What do you say? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think Roddy ends up costing Brutus and Julius here. Like, I think that, that that's the foreshadowing that came from this week. So, yeah. Like, okay. I did yeah. not see it. So, I, I am not aware. So, I'm not. Yeah. I yeah, know the, the foreshadowing is that Julius took a belt shot. From uh, from Pretty Deadly Blonde. No, from from Blonde. Okay. Yeah, and and Blonde hits Julius, and Roddy gets mad after the match, not because, like, he didn't see it, but because he's like, oh, no, I know that, but I would have won by disqualification, and then I would have won the match. And so you cost me the match. We lost, like, me and uh, Damon, whatever his name is, we lost. Okay. 
Yeah, but we could have won by disqualification, and so you cost us. So I think I think Roddy cost him the match. Gotcha. For the women's tag team title, Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan and Jay-Z Jane taking on perennial number one contenders by now who can never win. Katana Chance. I remember the the former Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Did Katana Chance and Caden Carter finally win these ridiculous tag titles that don't mean anything? I think they do. I don't think their title reign amounts to anything, but I think they actually win. I would agree. I, I think so. For the women's championship on the NXT side, Mandy Rose was turning into the Nick Bockwinkle of NXT, taking on Wendy Chu who is rumored, rumored to be on her way to the main roster to become a dragon lady again to help Zia Lee. Y'all know I love me some Wendy Chu. She makes me laugh. She should not be fighting for the title. Mandy Rose wins. Yeah, I, Mandy, Mandy's winning this. So especially when you're talking about the other half of Toxic Attraction losing the belts, I think Mandy, it makes it even more clear that Mandy's winning them. And finally... In the most gripping supernatural science fiction story of our time, <clears throat> Braun Breaker, your NXT champion, got this go home promo from Joe Gate. You didn't see the show, Hawkins. I did not. Me, if because- you had seen it, I'll tell you what, you'd be thinking about Joe Gacy in a completely different light, Jeff. This is fit. Perhaps. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's the uh Vinny Boombot storyline. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh that this is this was just fantastic. Joe Gacy delivered a promo for the ages, Jeff. For well, Joe, the ages. According to Chris, Joe Gacy delivered a promo for the ages, but for the ages. There is a there is a uh stipulation on this match. If Braun Breaker is disqualified, he will lose the championship. Which to me means the grizzled young druids attack Joe Gacy at some point. Oh, they attack Joe Gacy? Yes. Oh! Cool. They just punch him to get Braun Breaker disqualified. Oh, I see. And then Joe Gacy wins the title by disqualification. Yes. You think Joe Gacy wins the title here? Yes. Wow. I don't think that happens. Okay, good. Because I, I'd much rather he not. I watched this promo, Jeff, and I'll tell you, it was one for the ages. I said that literally moments ago. It can't, it can't not be true now. Was those ages two through five with the I, IQ of 12? It doesn't matter. And, and IQ progresses. That's not an appropriate way of looking at IQ, Hawkins. Um, but <laughs> but it, it, it is important to remember that Braun Breaker is probably going to retain his title here. That's how I want to end that sentence. Good, because Braun Breaker, I think, is the guy. This is this is just this is what they do with Jan- they should be pushing guys as tough badasses to the moon, and instead we're doing Kane has trapped me in the ba- in a car or in a basement, and he's stalking me. Ooga ooga booga, and nobody gets over that way. No, no, it, Joe Gacy does not say ooga booga booga. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. No, I, I know. Step you, on that joke. I will overcome. It. No, no. Oh, oh. Now you know <laughs> the shoe. The shoe is finally on your foot, Hawkins. The shoe is on the other foot too. Um, <laughs> so you wish. Uh, I do like her. <laughs> Sleeping through the table had me howling. I got to admit, I saw that. I watched it about thirty times. 
but unfortunately she is not championship material unless if it's an ironic title reign in which she gets rolled up by somebody they introduce on like Tuesday. But if you choose to watch the gramps, enjoy. If you choose to skip and watch later, totally understand. This has been Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling, Wrestling Network podcast for every taste in wrestling, no matter how, how weird. I've started listening to the WCW Thunder Pod uh, because they're going to start doing something on their Patreon for the retrospective Clash of the Champions, and I'm all about that. Join their Patreon as well. But I'm also on another Patreon. I'm on the Fight Game Media Patreon. Five bucks. You get an extra show out of me. Hot takes for AEW Dynamite. That show drops about an hour and a half after Dynamite finishes. It's pretty good. It's me and Paul Fontaine, who now has COVID, because a lot of people got COVID at double or nothing. But anyways, Chris is reinvigorated in politics. He looks to be chatting with you all more a little bit about politics. I'm on Discord, at least. I'm not chatting on Twitter. Well, he's going to plug his Discord after he plugs his Twitter, which is at DWATG. Yeah, the, the, the Twitter is at DWATG. The Discord's not open, but it's like NOV, N-O-V. So search, <laughs> search for that. I'm on sell there. It. Sell it. Hard yeah, sell. I'm, uh, hard sell. I, there's a new Don't Worry About the Government that I, I taped a, a couple few days ago. It's already up on... Uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash DWATG. And it'll be up on Spotify and iTunes. Soon enough. Soon enough. Don't don't push me. Don't, don't prod me. If you wanted it, you can go to patreon.com slash DWATG. You don't need to yell at me. Don't have we'll, to, try doesn't, and we'll try not doesn't to. It doesn't have to be like that. Jokes. No, you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's coming along nicely. Great. <laughs>